Welcome to the Mark Staring Music Podcast. This podcast is an audio journal of my guests and I's adventures throughout the live and local music biz. Fun conversations, cool tunes, and good times will be had. My name is Mark Sterry, and I'm a 15-plus year veteran of the Twin Cities, Minnesota Metro music scene. Check me out at Mark Sterry, that's S-T-A-R-Y, music.net. Also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. All of my original music is available for download on iTunes, CD Baby, etc. This podcast drops every Tuesday, if not before, on iTunes, SoundCloud, and most other places podcasts are available. If you enjoy it, please subscribe on iTunes. It's totally free and guarantees you'll never miss an episode. If you have an extra buck or two lying around and would like to be a patron of this podcast, please visit patreon.com forward slash Mark Sterry Music Podcast. Also, considering helping get the word out in the street via social media, five-star rating and review on iTunes, word of mouth, etc. Happy thought of the day is by John Lennon. Being honest might not get you a lot of friends but it will always get you the right ones. Thanks for tuning in, and welcome to the Mark Sterry Music Podcast. Enjoy! Welcome back to the Mark Sterry Music Podcast. Episode 58. No new patrons to shout out this week, but a huge thank you to all the supporters on Patreon for keeping this podcast rocking. I'm coming at you this week from my sister's home in Poplar, Wisconsin. It's hunting season here. I don't do much of that anymore, but it's still fun coming up to the Superior area to spend time with friends and family. Doggy Copper even has her own orange vest. Also, excited to have my nephews Harper and Dawson helping me co-host this week. Last week's gigs wrap-up. Wednesday, I played a solo show at Pub 42 in New Hope, Minnesota. Manager Vinny was subbing for owner Wags on MC duties for the Ladies' Night Vegas trip raffle. He did great. He's turning into the Dick Clark of New Hope. Thursday, Mr. Brian K. Johnson and myself rocked out at YZ Bar and Grill, a.k.a. the Munion YZ of Minnesota. Always a great time. Want to say best of luck to our dear friend, fellow Red Dirt Country fan, and guy that gave us the opportunity to play at Muni in the first place, Chad. He's switching career fields, and we're sure going to miss him. We'll dedicate Carney Man to you next month, man. Friday, Mr. B, Keith, Johnson, and I jammed out at Lucky's 13 in Plymouth, Minnesota. First winter weather road challenge of the season, but the Stews Warriors factions were out in full force, and a fun highlight was reviewing my old song, No Excuse, requested by our dear friend Tammy. Saturday, Mr. Brian K. Johnson and myself rocked the house of Finelli's by the Lake in Forest Lake, Minnesota. We had a surprise musical guest, our good friend Nick, who insisted that he could play bass and mix sound. After politely turning him down, he said, Yeah, I suppose I got a little bit of a shine on today, don't I? Upcoming shows. Wednesday, November 23rd, 2016, Mr. Brian K. Johnson Brian Ricochet Leger and myself will be rocking out at Seven Brothers in Clayton, Wisconsin from 8 to 12 p.m. Friday, November 25th, I'll be playing a solo show at Danny's Bar in Stillwater, Minnesota from 7 to 10 p.m. Saturday, November 26th, Mr. Brian K. Johnson and myself will be rambling on down to Chippewa Falls, Wisconsin to rock out for friends and family at Fill-In Station. Guest this week is Minnesota slash Austin, Texas slash current drummer for GB Layton, Scott Wenham. We discuss Chris Isaac, 
Lead Belly, The Beatles, Scott's new original music, etc. Enjoy the conversation! Mr. Scott Wenham. Hey, Mark. Welcome back to the Mark Stereo Music Podcast, part three. The final part with Scott before I got to take off and go to doggy school. All right. Um, we're talking music this last round here. We got the scuba diving talk over with. Uh, we talked about GB. We talked about Martin. We talked about Austin. Now, we're just going to... I came... It's so cool to come to Scott's house here in Fridley. He's got laid out all these cool CDs and records and stuff to look at and talk about. And his collection of stuff here is just amazing. And uh, we were talking about... Uh, I guess we'll start here with Chris Isaac. Got a couple Chris Isaac CDs here. Chris Isaac fan for many years, and uh, what is it about Chris Isaac that you like? Well, I think Chris Isaac just has got one of the most incredible voices in the history of popular music, but I like what Chris Isaac taps into. Um, You hear Roy Orbison, you hear some Elvis, but you also hear his love of like surf rock, Marty Robbins, um... And he plays it in a real, in a, in a really authentic and um, non-ostentatious way. The recordings are really clean. Um, there's nothing. They're relatively unadorned. You know, there isn't a lot of extra instrumentation, and they're really moody. I just love the mood that he sets. That's why I, his first record, Silvertone, is one of my favorites if not my favorite of his and there aren't any hits on it but you're you hear in that record what he's going to become with songs like voodoo and what else on here um yeah western stars and dancing and um yeah back on your side you know there's just great great songs that you hear you hear a little bit of all of what he's listened to but it sounds like him one of my favorite Chris Isaac records is the Baja Sessions, and he reviews a lot of those songs, such yes. as Back on Your Side and Dancing. Um, what do you prefer, this original version or the Baja Sessions? Or do you like kind of both takes on them? Both. Yeah, both. Um, the original one on, on Silvertone, you know, it was just basically he and uh, James Calvin Wilsey, they were kind of the, the band back then uh, in... James had just got that great uh, surf rock, surf noir, twang guitar. Um, This great atmospheric guitar playing. And so then they brought in like Prairie Prince and Jim Keltner to play drums on the record. So it has a, it's a little more of a polished record. It's not quite as off the cuff as the Baja sessions, Um, but it's really moody. And I think by the time they get to the Baja sessions, they'd had really had an established band for a while, and they'd been playing these songs out at shows for quite a while, so they could just come in, and it sounds like it's really been cut live. Yeah. I, I love that about the Baja sessions. Did Jim Keltner play with George Harrison on Concert for Bangladesh? Yes. He and Ringo, double drumming. Fantastic. Oh. Really want to see you love, it takes a 
Oh, just very quick. Who's some of your drumming influences? Jim Keltner, for sure. Really? That's crazy. Jim Gordon was another drummer um, from that era, especially that was fantastic. Uh, I love uh, Russ Kunkel, a uh, guy that doesn't get a lot of credits. Guy drummed for some of Cat Stevens stuff, Jerry Conway. He is uh, remarkable. Um, Max Weinberg with Springsteen is great. Uh, but I, you know, as a kid, I took a lot of drum lessons and I had an excellent teacher who was a great jazz drummer so he really got me into the buddy riches and the max roaches and billy cobbins and guys like that steve gad so i would say like buddy rich and steve gad are huge influences okay as well that's great just wanted to sneak that in there wanted to get some of your yeah i'm a drummer aren't i yeah we got you talking that you were a drummer you know people i don't think you mentioned that in any of the episodes (laughs) (laughs) that's all right anyway dude when this record came out in does it say 1995? When I was young, this song "Forever Blue," oh, the title track song. off Chris Isaac. That is a heartbreaking song, and the song "Somebody's Crying." That was kind of a half-ass hit for him, wasn't it? Yeah. So I should cover that again. That was a great song. When my wife and I saw Chris Isaac, I want to say four years ago, at the Moody Theater in Austin, Texas, he was. Um, it was towards the end of his tour, and he had come off of. He'd been playing in Colorado two nights before, but he had a night off in between. So he was in Austin just hanging out, and you could tell when when he played at Austin City Limits, um, the theater show he played i want to say three hours straight and he played it was a retrospective um and then he he broke it down and did a a little uh kind of sun records set of music too and it was just incredible and he played those songs and like forever blue oh man you know you put that one in we put wicked game and then forever blue back to back and you've got a mood boy (laughs) It's gorgeous. gorgeous. I used to uh, cover the song uh, Wicked Game too. I did a horrible version of it, but I could never get that <laughs> falsetto. Um, Who can, man? Chris is short slick. list. He says his favorites were Roy Orbison and the Mavericks. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Mavericks, fantastic. Another, is that Raul Malo? Yeah, is that the guy? Fantastic. Raul Malo and Chris Isaac are kind of two peas in the same pod, I think. My friend, a friend that I worked with down in Austin, Brian Kramer, he has a house gig at this historic um, hotel down there called the Driscoll. And one night when he was playing, um, and he's really a crooner, and uh, Raul Malo was staying there. He was in town for a show, and Raul hung out and listened to his whole set, and they talked afterwards, and he went to the Raul show the next night and got to hang out with him, and and he was just at, like you would think. He's into the same kind of things as... Chris Isaac is too. He's, you know, the old Orbison and Marty Robbins and so cool. loves that stuff. I'm going to download some Mavericks today, I think. I think I got to get some. For well, it's, it's good today. to listen to, I mean, real music again, isn't it? I mean, oh, God. stuff that, that, Makes the hairs stand up on your arms, you know. You 
you don't get that as much when you you know when music is being generated as product and when it's being I mean you can only listen to Katy Perry for so long not to pick on anyone but it's nice to just hear a song that sounds really pure and emotive once in a while again yeah I think I buy a new album at least once a week I buy albums all the time to listen to um there's this podcast called uh, Roadhouse something, you know? It's, yeah. it's called The Best Blues You've Never Heard. Okay. And there was a song by Elvin Bishop on there called Have a Good Time. And so I went and bought the whole... It was from like the early 70s. The list was like sure. just awesome. And so that every old, week I got to pick Oki, up... man, he could do it. Oh, man. Then this week I've been listening to... Talk about some funk drumming and stuff. I'm listening to uh, Johnny Guitar Watson. Oh, yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, the Funkology. I don't like greatest hits either. I like the albums, mm-hmm. and that's my big kick this week. A song, "Babies Fell." No, my babies fell in love with the radio. You should listen to that okay. song. I'll check that Incredible. out. What's some of your latest yeah, and greatest you've been that. listening to? Uh, yeah, current artists that I, I'm really liking. Um, J.D. McPherson. I'm, I've been getting into him lately. And that's... A, he plays like the Continental Club in Austin a lot. Um, I think he's originally from Oklahoma. But his stuff is... It's like if you took phew, some old Link Ray and uh, Little Richard and put it in a blender... You know, that sounds good. It's it's really good. Yeah, check him out. Uh, check out um, what's the Northside Gal? That's one of his tunes that I I really like. He's got a couple records out, and he records analog. They're really warm, rich-sounding LPs as well. So I like him. You know, I, I love Ray LaMontagne. I like his stuff. I like um, Jason voice. Isbell. Yeah, I'm a sucker for for good, rich voices. You know, I'm, I'm like, I'm, my favorite vocalist of all time is still probably Sam Cooke. Oh, I, man. I just like guys who can really sing. And, I got to meet Jason Isbell in Austin in front of yeah. Stubbs. For a, one of his shows or a drive-by trucker the, show? After or? the drive-by trucker okay. show at, uh, at the Austin City Limits Festival. You know, what year was that? Because I was at a drive-by trucker show um, set at Austin City Limits Music Festival when it was about 108 degrees or something crazy I bet you the same one. I think it was a Sunday afternoon, their, their set. Yep. And it was... And it was Oasis that night. Okay, yeah. Yeah, that was it. Yeah. yeah I, I was there. I was the... I was dying, man. Wow. <laughs> But that's when drive-by, yeah. I like that era when yeah. they were in the... Um, uh, Lord, they can make some noise. But they're scary. They were just that <laughs> Patterson Hood was just creepy and Mike Cooley and they had that. And it was uh, my favorite uh, album of theirs. It was right after that uh, with the song with The Devil Won't Stay in Carl Perkins' Cadillac. Oh, okay. uh, the Dirty South, that right, record. And they were just creepy to me. Um, 
I loved him. But that's what Isabel had a bunch of songs on there. And he was wandering around. We saw him smoking cigarettes outside of Stubbs or something. So we, he was really nice. I got the picture on Facebook or something. But um, I don't follow him as close as I used to. But I know a lot of folks really like him. Mention him on the show all the time. Yeah, there's that whole, uh, you know, guys like Hayes Carl, too. And um, you remember bands like uh, Slobberbone yeah. from Texas? Yeah, they do that whole, you know, the whole Southern discomfort or Southern dysfunction kind of angle, which is great. All those kind of trailer park songs that, yeah, you love. So we're talking about, like, that Southern sound, the Southern grit, and, like, the drive-by truckers and stuff. Is there a Northern version of that for us to cling to? Boy, that's a good question. Yeah, because I think you have to have a... Because no one from, like, Texas ever say, oh, that's got that northern, dirty, you know, gritty, sweeter sound. Yeah, exactly. I think part of it has to do with the... Scandinavian sound to it. Yeah, exactly. I think we might be a little too literal at times, you know, because part of that is the language and use of, like, double entendre and um, irony, you know, a lot more uh, in the style, but... You know, like I said, saying that that show that we did in Anoka last weekend, I really liked that Alex Larson, the crankshaft, is bringing it, you know, it's, and it doesn't sound like he's trying to wear a style or just like, oh, I like this music, so I'm going to create a character doing that. It sounds like it's his music, and it, he's channeling some old blues, and it's gritty, and it's hot rod boogie music. So I would I'd say there's people like that out there. You Are know, you into really blues at all? It. Yeah, I'm huge. I mean, to me, the jazz of the 20s and the folk blues of like Lead Belly, if, if we didn't have that, we sure wouldn't have rock and roll. So, you know, if you don't, you don't have Lead Belly, you don't have Hank Williams, you don't have like Fletcher Henderson or Louis Armstrong, you don't have rock and roll, I don't think. Lead Belly, didn't he... Didn't he write "Good Night Irene" in a prison and midnight and midnight? Uh, what's midnight special. Midnight special. Well, his song. He's got midnight special. Good night, Irene. Um, Black Betty, that people have covered over and over. Oh my God, he wrote Great that songs. too. He's fantastic. Yeah, I mean, boy, what we have? I've got a Black Betty record over there. I should grab it from. Sure, go right ahead, man. Lead Belly, Black Betty. He says is that kegs of whiskey right there. Yeah, he, and that's the thing about Lead Belly too. He's a Texan, so you hear there's some stuff in there that is that's country blues, you know. And he was in penitentiary in Texas, and it's songs like "Pick a Bale of Cotton." I mean, those are songs that are lived, you know. Rock Island Line. I like. I'm a big Sonny Terry fan. Yeah, and uh, Sonny Terry and Brownie McGee, and they do a great version of Rock Island Line. Oh yeah, yeah, that, I've heard that one. You're right. Where did you sleep last night? I think Nirvana made that popular they did. An acoustic show, didn't they? Oh man, that's a dark tune. Isn't it great? Oh yeah. man, I haven't heard it in years. I barely know how it even goes. I just I just You should lift that version of it. It's it's um it's real. Lead belly singing Where Did You Sleep Last Night? Yeah, that's that's real. That's the real stuff. My girl, my girl, don't you lie to me. Tell me where did you sleep last night? Come on and tell me something about it. That's the perfect panacea to like uh, too much Bruno Mars. (laughs) (laughs) 
Sorry. C.C. Ryder, speaking of that Roadhouse show I just listened to, I heard a great Dr. John version of C.C. Ryder the other day. It was just, and that guy is just killer. Speaking of The Last Waltz, too, he's on there yep. doing such a night. It's that, such a night. Yeah, there you go. And then you're going back, because then you get, okay, so you got Dr. John, but then you got to go back to, like, Jelly Roll Morton. And without, like, guys like Jelly Roll Morton, you don't like have Dr. Jelly John. Roll. Is that what Van Morrison, who's talking about? On the song, I think that because I read this on a Wikipedia because I'm I'm learning Probably the song, uh, and it stoned me. Yeah, just like Jelly Roll, and that's who we must be talking about. He's I probably think. talking about Jelly Roll Morton. Wow, because Je- you know Jelly Roll Morton started out playing in in brothels, and that's he was the musical accompaniment to when the women would take their customers upstairs and they'd have to. So he knew all the songs that they liked and how they could get business done. And he would, they'd tip him out, and here we are 90 years later doing the same thing. Huh? I know. Some of my shows feel like the same exact thing. <laughs> They're still just gregarious primates looking for a little bit of fun. Huh? Oh, my God. Any other blues guys? I'm gonna, this is really interesting to me, this lead belly thing. I'm going to check that out. you got to get some. Um, oh, Muddy. Muddy Waters, you know. I mean, if you just had Muddy Waters and Lead Belly and Johnny Lee Hooker, you'd, jeez. Got a life there. I'm know? a harmonica freako, and Muddy Waters, his he changed all Slim, that. Slim Harpo, I'm a huge Slim Harpo fan too. Okay, and uh, Snooks Eaglin, you ever heard of him? No, he was a New Orleans street singer. Really good. I don't even actually. I don't know much about Slim Harpo either. I I've been yeah. looking him up and dying and thinking about picking up a record. Um, I'm a huge '70s blues snob. Okay, so I haven't quite found the one I'm going to pick up yet by Slim Harpo. But what what do you suggest? Oh gosh. Uh... Well, I'm a king bee. Want you to be my queen. Well, I'm a king bee. Want you to be my queen. You know, there there's some compilations. I I forget what record company he was he was with. I'd have to look it up, but. You know, I've got I've got a record that has high heeled sneakers on it. That I think is recorded in the, I think that's from the '60s. There was a live Slim Harpo that's really good, too. Um, and their names are also similar: Memphis Slim, Slim yeah. Harpo, whatever. Have you heard Muddy Waters with one of my favorite harmonica players? I'd love to get here, James Cotton with oh, Johnny Winner. Oh, their record that Stay Hard or it's called. It's and Muddy's like, yeah, it's called Stay Hard or something. It's yeah. got this song called Cross Eyed Cat. It's the funkiest. I used to cover that. Are you used serious? To, With the, I think it was in GB Layton way back. We had this guitar player Pete Cavanaugh. Oh, and it was we had a side project called Rhythm Shelter way back, and that record was kind of the touchstone because it was um, Muddy Waters coming back and re-recording some of his songs with Johnny Winters. And there's like Cross-eyed Cat and, and James Scott. Which and, and uh, James Blues Cotton. had a baby and they named it Rock and yeah. Roll. It's great because it's it's a real it's a chunky versions of that. Like Muddy Waters did that record, and then before that he'd done one called Electric Mud, which was with more psychedelic. It was like 
taking his old songs like <laughs> Manish Boy as done by Cream, you know? And so he was kind of like trying to revitalize some of his old material for a that, younger audience. I'm positive that that Stay Hard or whatever it's called, that one of Johnny Winter and James Cotton, that won a Grammy, I know that. Did it? Yeah, it's a great record. I mean, it's great songs on that one. And you used to play that stuff, huh? Can't Be Satisfied, that's on that too, isn't it? Oh, that's that slide guitar song. Yeah. Dude, can't be satisfied. Yeah, that's a good... I was I played a song in the car with my friends. I like that. What's the one line on Cross-Eyed Cat? He's like, I come home late as houses. Cat sitting by the wall. What's up, my ball? He's staring at me, licking his balls. Or something like that. <laughs> it's right to the goes, point. Yep. That says it. Yeah. <laughs> it ain't no Robert Frost but or Charles Dickens, but it's close enough. You know what he's talking about. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so... You got CDs piled up here. I love all this stuff. This is a ton of fun. Uh, what's some other ones you want to talk about? Let's talk about one, like a concert that I went to that was life-changing as far as music. When I was, I think, 15, I went with a good friend, fellow drummer, friend of mine, um, Don Roback, to go see the police with XTC at the Minneapolis Armory. And both of, I had, both of us had been going to a lot of rock shows, Kiss, Aerosmith, Queens, ZZ Top, all those big arena rock shows like at the St. Paul Civic Center, Alice Cooper. Um, but this was different because the police, we had a couple of their records, but no one had really seen them. And this is the, it's before, you know, MTV, just before MTV. So we saw them at, in the, the Minneapolis Armory. It was kind of stark and kind of exotic. And the police came out and just killed it. And I, you know, they're playing. Stuart Copeland's playing every song at least 15 to 20 beats a minute faster than the recorded versions that I know. And I and he was just like breaking sticks and it was just this ball of energy. And I remember there was a woman standing next to me. I'm like 15 and she was probably 20, so she looked like she's from another planet, you know. And she was wearing cat's eye glasses and like an ocelot coat ocelot you know fake ocelot coat and black tights and she gave me like this bemused look like you know oh, little boy what are you doing here <laughs> and it was like but it was great it just changed my what era of the police would have that have been it was this record it was their touring behind um zenyata mandata so they had a couple out they had regatta de blanc and outlandas de amor out um, so I want to say that was, it was 80 or 81, and I actually talked to Adam Levy a while back. You know, we were mentioning, just talking about music and what had influenced us growing up, and both of us were at this this same show, and we both had the same reaction. It was like just... A total sea change, you know, paradigm shift in how we were. I, I didn't understand a lot of it. I felt like I was like thrown into the middle of a Fellini movie, but I knew I liked it, you know. That's great. Yeah, I'd like to get him on the podcast as well sometime. Yeah, well, Adam could talk to you about everything from Bossa Nova to the Beatles, you know, and all points in between. When did Synchronicity come out for the police? That's 83. Yeah, so five five records, I think. I mean, five studio records. Regatta de Blanc, Outlandas de Amor, um, Zenyata Mandata, Ghost in the Machine, and then Synchronicity. Wow. 
I know my friend Dave Burkhart that plays around the Twin Cities too. He and I are both fans of Sting's solo record, Ten Summoner's Tales. Do you like his solo yeah. stuff? That That's, Ten Summoner's Tales, I think, is one of my... Let's say you got the top 100 records of everyone's lives, you know, whatever. That's definitely on my top 100. I think that's my favorite of his um, solo records. That and I like Soul Cages, but yeah, that 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 has some good. That has some good. Ten Sumner's Tales that for everyone. It, you would, it, if I ever lose my faith in you, is a yep. kickoff track, and then Fields of Gold, which is just a masterpiece. But I like the stuff like uh, that's not the shape of my heart. Yeah. And what's that song? that's seven in five, brothers, four, or maybe it's in seven. Yeah. It's um, a kind of conversation note. Oh, I can't. I have it right in time, man. Yeah. <laughs> Perhaps we'll see. Oh, my gosh, this is killing me. Um, Monday, I can't wait till Tuesday. Seven days, Seven right? days for yes. seven brothers. Yeah, seven days. Thursday, I'll be fine. Yeah. Friday, to the night. yeah, that's wow. That's I haven't my... heard that in probably twenty years. <laughs> you could tell I haven't either. But what is the what temp, time signature is that? I think that's in five four. I'd have to think one two five one two. Yeah, it's a it's a five four thing. I Saturday think. waits. Yeah. Sunday be too late. That's yes. that's how it finishes. But Sunday that's be too late. That's yeah. it. That's the blow off. All there right. we go. Um, <laughs> Yeah. Oh, good stuff, man. Um, Beatles, we got to get to Beatles too, you know. Boy, none of us, none of that would be there without the Beatles. Songs like that, you know, that's, you can tell these guys are really influenced by McCartney. Oh, yeah. We got Revolver here. I'm just going to see what's on this again. Yeah, see, I like more of their weird stuff too. I, I when I was in high school, I thought I was John Lennon. I mean, when I even got ordained in a church, I was a Catholic. You know, uh-huh. I even gave myself the name John because I love John Lennon so much. Yeah, Revolver is to me is it's a great turning point record. You know, they're in their mod kind of phase, but you can see where they're gonna head a little bit in Sergeant Pepper. I think Day in the Life is my favorite Beatles tune but revolver might be my favorite record i think from start to finish because when it kicks off with tax man i mean that just that's a george harrison song i think yeah i i mean you got some really george harrison's really coming into his own on this record too you know you can tell that he's gaining confidence as a writer um but yeah it's it's great record and, and great art i know that's a lost that's a lost art nowadays right I think this is all that Klaus Vormann artwork, you know. Klaus Vormann, wow. Yes. Um, they met in Germany. You know, I mean, like, you know, you look at, I, I still look at the Sgt. Pepper. That's the one with all the guys on it or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, you get on these kicks, okay, Halloween kicks. So I was listening to a podcast about, about uh, what, so who's the evil guy they all followed back then in the six, seven, 60s? 
Alice was it Alistair Crowley or Anton LaVey? Is that what I'm thinking of? One of those guys is on the cover of Sergeant Pepper somewhere. Okay. I've got Sergeant Pepper. One of these whole, and so I had to look it up. I'm like, and I just was thinking, I was listening to this podcast, this Halloween thing, and I'm like, God, I wonder if that's on there. Because I swore that guy was on there. And he, he is. He's on there. So I think it's Alistair Crowley. Okay. So yeah, they weren't afraid to be controversial either. No, that's what made them great. <laughs> I mean, think of they were only together for boy. I mean, they played like years, crazy. They played like crazy when they're in Germany, you know, and that really that got their you know ten thousand hours of practice in for sure to make them to really get them up to speed as far as a functioning unit. And then, but then they stayed together through it, and that's what's really remarkable that that personalities and the tensions of it and in Beatlemania didn't cause them to break up sooner than they did you know they were able to ride that out for quite a while i mean think how crazy it would have been just amazing they're still it blows my mind you listen like you're talking about the day in the life and one of my favorites is that kind of broadway-ish one uh must be off their let it be record that has uh Oh, the end! I think is one of the greatest mm-hmm. songs of all time, and it's kind of a medley of all the stuff earlier in the record. And I think "Golden Slumbers" is just this beautiful melody or whatever. And you think even nowadays, with all the influences we have, different music, you know, different ways of getting at it, different ways of interpreting it, recording it, playing it, whatever. The original, like, how did they come up with that shit? You know, that yeah. just that just sounds awesome. And then George Martin, too. They had George in the yeah. studio. And that's just such a great mix of the, those creative minds. Yeah. Man. But the original versions of that, you can redo it all you want. You know, old, like, say, Oasis it or whatever, which mm-hmm. they were good, too. But just that original versions of stuff, is that's the way to go, man. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the Oasis. I mean, yeah. Do John Lennon about as good as you can do John Lennon, <laughs> you know? <laughs> that's They lifted a lot of... Oh, Liam lifted a lot of, yeah, those Gallagher boys, man. They listened to a lot of Beatles and Who, and they get, a lot of they get it. Yeah. yeah. I think the first song I ever played live in front of people was Wonderwall. That and Rolling My Sweet Baby's Arms by Lee and Russell, too. That's, those are two that kind of give you the bends a little bit musically. Call those back to back. I like and that. And the third one was Rain and Blood like by Slayer. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I love Oasis. I love, uh, you know, um, What's the Story, Morning Glory. Love that yep. record. And, yeah, Champagne Supernova. And How many special people change? How many lives are living strange? Where were you while we were getting high? Yeah, it's good tunes. Yeah. Just think that was pop back then, too. I know. Pop now that wouldn't fly now. I don't think. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure where where it's. It, that's a good question. Where rock and roll is heading heading right now? You know what we think of rock and roll, or if we think of rock and roll, if we think of it all as kind of almost genreless. I think some so. of these things. Yeah, you think so? Yeah, I think so. Bringing it back to your scuba dive, and maybe the Titanic has sailed as far as the whole class of rock and roll. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's, yeah, so it's kind of fun to hear people just keep, you know, stripping it back down to the basics and just playing music. Yeah. You know, writing stuff that they really feel and that they're living. Because I still think we're still organic hominids. We're going to, you know, 
we're going to crave that to a degree, something that feels, you know, authentic. Yeah. Yeah, after my, uh, you know, people, they call it recovering Catholic. You know, I feel like I'm kind of a recovering Nashville <laughs> guy. You're worried about that so much. And you got to strip that stuff away and go back to what you're really thinking about stuff. Yeah, how did that? So, how did that affect you as a as a writer and a oh ruined performer me. then ruined me okay. terribly. That's all I cared about was was writing some song that Keith Urban could cover, and that would never happen anyway, you know. But but it, mm. they they just bashed the artist out of me, and it I'll it did, you know. It's when I was down there and did all that stuff. I really feel it did, and uh, I think I'm over it now. But it took me years, so it did. So did, did did you find that it was causing you to write a little uh, too strategically and less mm-hmm. emotively. Oh, yeah, it was go stupid. Within. I would write, like, words on the paper that would, yeah. you know, I'd take, like, let's say this room and write microwave or write, and then find some way to stick these little things in there and make it stupid, you know? I don't know. As they call it, got to put some certain types of furniture in the song, right? Yeah. <laughs> Put some paint strokes in it. Yeah, but, yeah. you know, and that's all good stuff. I did learn a lot of stuff from it, but but uh, uh, it did take away that whole artsy-fartsy, you know, Wilco thing. Or, like, uh, um, I just really got... One thing really... Sna- I had Hugo from the suburbs on here. Mm-hmm. And I love the suburbs. Yeah. And I was just listening to the songs like Sig Machine and, like, and like cows, and it's like that is so cool. Just say whatever you feel like doing. It just sounds cool, and and you get it. It's fun, and so I, that's been so refreshing to to hear that kind of stuff. Yeah, too. cows is beat poetry. You know, that's that's beat beat poetry. That's and that's what I love. It's like bands like Morphine, Mark Sandman did it. You know, this like the sound of a phrase and just repeat it and and be unabashed about that. You know, and that's so cool because you'd never get away with that. You know, pitching that in Nashville. No, <laughs> but it's great. But it connects with people on some level. They're like, "This is a great song. It's so simple. It's so primitive. It's so cool." You know, I never thought and of the, that. When the, I was in school, I was the biggest Jack Kerouac, Allen Ginsberg. Um, that's all that is. That's great. They're Lawrence Ferlin Getty. All those old beat guys. I even had a beat Bible. I still have it. Oh, and they had the 10, Jack Kerouac wrote the 10 rules of automatic writing, which <laughs> is like first thought, best, best thought stuff. I got to go back to that. There you go, Mark. We've, 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 we're planting seeds. We're, we're getting you to go, getting back, me to go think, back to your roots. Getting me all artsy farts if I had to go to doggy school in a little bit. Okay, <laughs> actually, I'm looking. We're way over the time. That's just been a, ton, a total fun diving hey. on the music scene with you. Uh, you for too, a story bro. behind the song segment, let's talk about a solo track you're working on with uh, Patrick Tanner and Smokey D and Dan Neal, and it was called True Blue. Uh, Left Blue. Left Blue. Left Blue. You want to tell us about so that we real got, quick? There's your, you know, with your um, Chris Isaac reference, you know, in Forever Blue, it, uh, it has a bit of, I was, yeah, let's see. I had a, I had a cat last year. Um, he died a, a year ago. Uh, three-legged Russian blue cat named Bruno. They had been with my wife and I in Texas, and he was kind of a symbol of everything that we kind of left in Texas. And he got sick last year, and about this time of the year, he passed away. And, you know, you lose a pet, and it, it reminds you of something that you lost in your life. And and uh, I kind of worked. He isn't literally in the song, but the feeling that I had um, is in the song, Left, Left Blue. 
um, kind of figuratively. So we got together. Smokey had put together this really cool haunting melody, and we were thinking kind of Chris Isaac, Roy Orbison, Raul Malo, um, those kinds of using that as kind of a template for this song. And so we just wrote the song from that. You know, it starts out when you're thinking about a, you know, a, a pet that you've lost, but then relationships and other things that you've have passed through your life kind of work their way into the song too, and you end up with this this piece. And so Patrick um, pa- Patrick Tanner engineered it and produced it, and uh, then he also added some really cool. Um, piano and mandolin parts on it, and Dan Neal plays, you know, impeccable guitar, as always, on it as well. Well, thanks so. for sharing it here on the Mark Stereo Music Podcast, man. Hey, thanks, Mark. Thanks for having um, me. Scott, thanks for being on the podcast. Scott Winham, how do folks get a hold of you? Uh, Facebook, or come see GB sometime? Yeah, come see GB and just uh, come out and support the band and, and say hi. And uh, yeah, I'm on Facebook as well. They can you can find me on, on the anti-social media. Nice. I could talk music with you for days. Yeah, me too. Ugh, we'll have to do it again sometime. Find a way now. to get paid to do this and we'll be all right. <laughs> That'd be awesome. <laughs> uh, thanks again, Scott, for being the Mark Stereo Music Podcast. And uh, we'll talk to you later. Thanks for having me over. We'll talk to you soon, bud. All right. Thank you, Mark. Thanks for tuning in to this week's edition of the Mark Stereo Music Podcast. Hope you've enjoyed the program. We'll see you back here for a new podcast about life and times in the live and local music scene each and every Tuesday, if not before, on iTunes, SoundCloud, and most other places podcasts are available. This is a listener-supported podcast, so if you would like to get on board, please visit patreon.com forward slash Mark Starry Music Podcast. If you enjoyed some of the musical edits on the show, please head on over to your local record store or do some digging on iTunes and load up on some new songs. Also, if you get a chance, please go check out some live music somewhere. It could be a great and worthwhile experience. Life is short. Go with some fun. Till next time. I don't know just what goes wrong. time I hear that song All these tears get in the way And I don't know just what to say or do I still
I'm late. 